the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the Heart of the City. Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development here at KGNW, and I always enjoy this time that uh, we have a chance to share. And uh, the key verse for this program is, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. That's from Psalms 37, verse 3. And as we share these stories of testimony and story uh, about how the Lord has worked in people's lives— I'm always excited and challenged and walk away from these times uh, encouraged about how the Lord continues to work in people's lives over the course of time and uh, through our struggles, through our temptations, through our fears, and through our tears. He is still there with us. Today, my guest is Pastor Kenneth Ransford. He's the pastor of Greater Mount Baker Baptist Church here in Seattle. Welcome to Heart of the City today, Pastor. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good to good to meet you, and, and uh, we've had a chance to uh, connect with each other over the last few weeks, and uh, uh, you were recently at one of our pastor's events. Absolutely. It was a great event, and I praise God for you oh. and your leadership in, in that. Uh, uh, pastors need a lot of encouragement and, and information uh-huh. uh, so how we can do better, yeah. uh, better take care of ourselves where we can better take care of God's flock. And uh, I was proud uh, in the Lord to see my pastor, uh, Bishop Kenneth Omer, uh, to be the keynote speaker. I already knew it was going to happen. We had church that day, didn't we? We we had some church. (laughs) People standing up early in the morning after after having eggs. Yeah. Eggs and bacon. (laughs) Well, it was, in fact, Mm -hmm. I just finished a conference call with several of our director of local ministry leaders from around the the country. We have a, a regional uh, conference call every quarter, and uh, we were actually talking about our pastor's event with Bishop Balmer and, and how exciting it was to connect with, with uh, African-American pastors, with Hispanic pastors, with pastors of, of, of various churches and ethnicities, and it was a powerful time together, wasn't it? It, 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 it was, and uh, it's, 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 it's needed when we look at what's happening in our country and in the world mm-hmm. uh, that uh, we really do not take advantage of the diversity God has blessed us with, that, uh, you know, harmony doesn't have to mean homogenization, mm. where everybody is the same. I mean, if, if everybody in the world... Uh, was like me, what kind of world would this be? <laughs> uh, uh, it'd be a pretty <laughs> interesting mm-hmm, world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to hear uh, the the pastor and the, the author, I can't remember his Isn't name. Isn't it Dr. Joseph Castleberry? Just Joseph Castleberry. Yeah, president of Northwest University. University right. Mm-hmm. Uh, to hear him uh, dialogue and, uh, and then speak in Spanish mm-hmm. and then challenge 
and encourage us as African-American pastors and then appeal to us, say, we need you. Mm. We need you. And uh, that, that means more than tongue can tell, mm. that when, when, when one culture, and I think that in, God has set it up in such a way that in the Christian culture, where we can look beyond our, our uh, differences, and I don't mean in difference in a negative sense, but that uh, we, we are distinct in, in our cultures and who we are uh, when we feel uh, where the spirit is, there's liberty. Mm-hmm. And one culture can say to another culture, we need you. We need you mm-hmm. to, to, to fix this problem or to make this better. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we esteem the other higher than, than ourselves, uh, that's when we start seeing seeing the kind of changes, not only in our churches, uh, but also in the communities that we serve. Amen. Well, Pastor, I'd love for you to share. We got to talk a little bit. We were talking sports <laughs> a little bit. We had a, we had all this sports figured out, oh, didn't yeah. we? We had, and uh, you know, you you uh, grew up in the Southern California area. Tell tell me about the the growing up uh, back in the what seventies, early eighties. Well, for me, it would be. Uh, the 60s. The 60s. Uh, right. I was, <laughs> I was born uh, February 10th, 1957. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, during that time, uh, I remember as a boy uh, when um, the Watts riots. 64. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was seven. Mm. Uh, probably closer to eight years old. Mm. Uh, I remember... Uh, you know, mostly, of course, when the riots happen, it's on the main streets. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember watching on television how close uh, the burnings and, and the lootings and everything that was happening and the frustration of, of, of course, the police brutality. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, decades finally uh, exploded in volcanic fashion. Uh, and uh, I remember when... Uh, I remember when uh, JFK was was assassinated. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that pretty much was several months within each other. I was um, in the seventh grade, uh, John Muir Junior High, mm-hmm. and we were waiting for class to start. Go to, to remember, I don't know if you remember homeroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we were all out on the on the, court, on the yard waiting for homeroom, and uh, Vice President Pres, Vice Principal uh, Wexler. Mr. Wexler announced over the over the PA system outside. Your attention, please. Your attention, please. School is now uh, closed. Dismissed. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther mm. King Jr. has been assassinated. Yeah. And I went home, uh, and when I entered into the house, we were living on 66 in Hoover. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, came in the front door. My mother was sitting there crying. Mm. And of course, when mother cries, you just automatically cry. It doesn't matter what she cries. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. Said, What's wrong, mama? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's when I really began to learn about Dr. King. Uh-huh. And I think that's when the seed was planted. Uh, uh, as I reflect back uh, on, on my life in ministry, uh-huh. and I wanted to know who this man was that made my mother cry uh-huh. in such an affectionate way. And that's when I began to learn early about the civil rights movement. And, and, and my parents 
uh, we're in Mississippi. They know they're, they're Mississippians. I mm-hmm. tell them I'm California born, mm-hmm. but I have Mississippi blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, I was educated uh, in so far as uh, the segregated South and uh, the, the environment. My parents, uh, uh, like so many who migrated from uh, the South to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, the challenges they had with racism and injustice there in the stories. Uh, um, my daddy was a uh, uh, deputy sheriff in L.A. County, mm. um, and yet I still had to had to have to talk mm-hmm. in order to uh, how to how to deal with the police, and it, it, it was a bad scene. Yeah, and, and let me hear up and say that uh, not all uh, police officers are, are are bad. In fact, I, I'm an associate uh, chaplain. A, a Seattle Police Department, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we work very well together, and, and I see vast improvements that are happening. We, we've come a long way. Yeah, we still have a long way to go. But I remember when it wasn't that way. And and the the climate, you know, people talk about what's going on today, but those of us that grew up in the '60s, and I grew up on the other side of Chicago, the other side of the state from Chicago. But when you look at what happened in 63 with President Kennedy assassination and then the Watts riots and then, of course, in 68, the Chicago riots, Democratic National Convention, the Detroit burning, you know, many cities were 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 burning, (laughs) literally burning uh, with with the the unrest. It was a frightful time, especially for us, for us that were growing up and we were teenagers and young teens, wasn't it? I mean, it was fearful. I, I remember the National Guard coming through the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but one thing that I thank God for that I, I, I have, uh, well, my father's gone on now, but and my mother's still here. They were godly, godly people in the midst of it all. Uh, they would still teach, you still love. Mm. Okay, just remember that you do have uh, races in the world. But just remember, not all white people are racist. Mm-hmm. And they would tell stories of the positive relationships, even in the midst of those ugly times that they had with white brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And so uh, recognize that we have a problem, but there are positive ways of dealing with the problem. Mm-hmm. And And I grew up, under that, and it, that that was the sentiment throughout the neighborhood when you when you were coming up in the mid sixties, late in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. But it, it was a frightful time during that during the time. But you know, God raised up leaders uh, to to be able to help navigate us, and, and I put emphasis on on God uh, when we look at our history. That any, I'd like to say, good success, because the only time success is mentioned in the Bible. It's uh, uh, prefaced by the word good, mm-hmm. and that's what he told Joshua. You take this book with you, and you'll have wherever your feet stand, uh, you'll, you'll take the land, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll have good success. And I think that uh, when we look over our history, that any lasting movement, uh, effective movement, uh, uh, was led by a Christian man or woman. Mm. Yeah. So tell me about, you You talk about your parents, 
So were did you go to church? Were you uh were did you receive the Lord when you were a young man or what was your walk like? Your spiritual formation and your walk like? Uh well speaking of a walk, we walked to church. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> was a spiritual, spiritual walk. <laughs> walk. <laughs> you know, you know, we um Faithful Central used to be on 61st and Hooper. And that's Bishop Ulmer's church. Right, right. So that's where and, you grew up. And so before Bishop Ulmer came, uh-huh. uh, my pastor, our pastor was uh, Dr. W.L. Robinson, uh-huh. well-known in the city. Uh, I worked very well with the mayor and governor. You know, he was one of those uh, one of those black pastors, mm-hmm. uh, uh, along with Evie Hill, mm-hmm. uh, Manuel Scott uh, Sr., and so many others. That uh, that worked in creative relationships to make sure that the, that the African American community uh, was was uh, was treated fairly mm-hmm. and and so forth. And I lived on sixty six in Hoover, and so our parents insisted that we go to church. And so I came to the Lord at an early age. Let me tell you what my mother used to do before we would go to bed. You know, Daddy would be working late. We had you know. The uh, traditional picture, the home and home, uh, home and hunt mm-hmm. picture, you see on your on the church fans back in the day. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> turn it over, you turn it over. It's the, it's the home and hunt. It, it, uh, Jesus knocking on the door. Right. You turn the other side. He's praying in Gethsemane. Uh-huh. You know those old fans. And so we had a poster, and she would put it on our on on our wall, and she would periodically turn you know flip it over. Uh-huh. You know, and she did this, I, I, I remember as far back as probably when I was four. And so one day, you know, once I got a little older, had a little more sense, I asked her, I said, who is, who is he? Hmm. And then, so my bedtime story would be about Jesus mm-hmm. and the cross. So my sister and I. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she said, he died for your sins. You know, what's, what sins, mommy? You know. Mm-hmm. So as, as time go on, and so she'd leave, but I keep looking at, the picture and it always looked like he was looking at me. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, yeah. but I, I wasn't creeped out about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was but looking. I felt com- you know, yeah. you know, this is this yeah. is this is the power of the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. working on you know working on, on on me as a child. Yeah. And so um, I was seven years old when uh, I came to the Lord hmm. during Sunday school. That's why Sunday school is so important. Everybody who doesn't go to Sunday school, mm-hmm. you need to have be in Sunday uh, school. Yeah. And I remember we were singing. Um, uh, uh, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my. He lives. He lives. Christ mm-hmm. Jesus lives. There. And so um, I always sung in the little kids' choir. And my Sunday school teacher, uh, Mrs. Smith, she said, "Baby, don't you want to be a Christian? Hmm. Don't you want to be saved?" And by the time my mother finished with me, I understood what that meant. Mm-hmm. And so, mom and daddy wasn't anywhere around. I came on my own, mm. and I still believe that that was uh, valid and valuable, and that uh, Jesus loves the little children. I yeah. do believe that uh, He can call us when we're young, and we've read the stories of others. And I was my sister and I were baptized on uh, Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday evening. Wow! And so uh, from that point on, I mean, we were we grew up in church. We were involved. You know, we just didn't sit in the pew. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, all the way till I grew up, um, I was in in school and went to uh, college. And it was 
my first year at uh, University of Southern California that I uh, finally said yes to the Lord. Hmm. But before then, I was a prodigal. Hmm. I was sitting at Faithful Central one day. I was 17, track star, football star, and I was looking down the road to uh, be, the, be the Olympic winner in the full, back then it was the 440. Mm-hmm. I was there by myself. You know, it was kind of early. Everybody was kind of in their own classes. We had to do classes, but the sanctuary was empty. So I'm, I'm sitting, and I noticed, and I'm counting all the pews, never really had a chance to admire the church and see it. You know, it was empty, and I'm looking at how beautiful the pulpit was. And uh, I said, wait a minute. I'm sitting in the middle section, in the middle row, in the middle seat. And I'm staring at the pulpit. And I guess it's what the, the theologian Strand says, uh, having a mystical experience with the holy other. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the pulpit, and uh, I heard a voice say, one day you're going to be up there. And I thought it was one of my buddies, mm. you know, seeing me staring. Right. And I turned around and said, oh, man. And it wasn't anybody there. Well, wow. And from that time on, my life was never the same. Hmm. And... Uh, uh, I just kept running from the call. And finally, through some injuries with track, I uh, I was running on the same relay team with Houston McTeer, who back in the in the in the um, in the early eighties, late seventies, early eighty broke Bob Hayes twenty two year record wow. when I was at Santa Monica College. Mm-hmm. And so I was on my way. Santa Monica Track Club wanted me to run for them, USC wanted me to run for them. And I pulled my hamstring. And so I'm going through the rehabilitation thing. I'm on the I'm on the football field alone. And I just cried before the Lord. I said, Lord, you know, I rededicate myself to the Lord. I got into some, you know, kind of wild living. Mm-hmm. Uh, partied a little too hardy. Mm-hmm. But I was running from the call. Mm-hmm. And I was in a little far country for, for, for a stint. But the Lord pulled me back just like Jonah. And so I said, well, I said, Lord, I said, I, I rededicated my life to you. I said, I'm going to be the best Christian I can be. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I don't understand. And, and he spoke in my, in my heart. I must, now, this time I must have heard a voice, but it was, spoke to my spirit and said, and it was so loving, and said, I appreciate what you want to do for me, but that's not what I want you to do for me. Hmm. And he took me back to when he was calling me. And I said, just let me finish this year out. And you don't heal up quick from a hamstring, but I did. Mm. I finished the year out and I walked away. And uh, during that time, uh, that's when the Lord blessed me with with my girlfriend, who is now my wife of 33 years. Wow, <laughs> wow. And um, I got involved in Black Student Union and, and so forth. Uh, and that kind of helped to shape inform my ministry as well. And finally, I preached my first sermon uh, November 5th, 1978, at 5 o'clock at the Faithful Central. <laughs> at Faithful Central, wow. I went to my pastor, and I said, Pastor, and I'm crying, I think the Lord called me to preach. <laughs> he said, really? I said, yeah. He said, well, I can't help you. I said, what well, do you mean you can't help me? He said, until you are sure. He said, I can't help you. But when you're sure, he said, I can help you. Hmm. I was on a I was over the youth. I was on a retreat, and I, when we went to the retreat, that's when I was going to make up my mind 
if I was going to accept God's call, mm-hmm. right? of course. And uh, we were getting on the bus, and one of the youth said, "Can I? Are you? Are you a preacher?" Now she, I said, "No." I said, "Have you ever seen me sit in the pulpit?" Mm-hmm. And it was just like a reminder mm-hmm. of what, what, what you came up here for. Mm-hmm. And we were all getting ready to go home. I said, "No, I'm not a preacher." I said, "Well." I said, we'll make you ask, ask me that. And she said, I don't know. And she said, well, are you going to be? Hmm. I said, I said just, just get on the bus. Yeah. Just, just get on the bus. But that's when I knew the Lord was speaking to me and calling mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I tell other preachers when they struggle with their call, I said, the Lord, believe me, trust me. If God's calling you into ministry, you will know it. And it's mm-hmm. biblical. Mm-hmm that you will know beyond shadow of doubt that God has called you. Yeah. You're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, and with me today is Pastor Kenneth Ransfer. He's with uh, the pastor of Greater Mount Baker Baptist Church. So out of that call, out of that final understanding that this is what the Lord wants you to do, he wants you to preach, what happened next? You were you were in college, or had you graduated by then? Well, no, I I, I had uh, two more years to finish mm-hmm. at, uh, at SC, and I graduated, uh, changed my major mm-hmm. to religion. Uh, I was majoring in sociology, and made that a minor, and in and I went to uh, uh, Morehouse School of Religion at the Interdenominational Theological Center uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, because of what happened with Dr. King, I discovered we had albums and books, and I read a lot of those books, so I wanted to go where he went. I see. Mm-hmm. And that uh, being there really helped shape and form uh, the, the ministry I'm in now where I believe in taking the gospel and applying it socially. And I think that that's where you also see the power of evangelism, that people who are oppressed or people who are um, uh, the least, the last, and the locked out, when they can see God uh, um, uh, open red seas in their lives, uh, that's just as evangelistic as just coming and sharing with someone, even though we do that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do believe that people need to see the power of God uh, in systems as, as well as uh, in just regular, practical, personal, uh, everyday life. Yeah. And so I graduated from uh, uh, Morehouse School of Religion. And uh, I'm just now finishing my, my doctorate uh, at Baki uh, Graduate School of the Ministry here in, in the city, uh, mm-hmm. Raymond Baki. Mm-hmm. And so you've been at, uh, in fact, you just celebrated recently um, the uh, your anniversary at uh, Mount Baker. 21 years. The 21. Lord has, the Lord has blessed us to be uh, at the Greater Mount Baker Baptist Church 21 years. And uh, uh, first Sunday in November marked 38 years in ministry. Hmm. And so we had a Friday night and a Sunday uh, celebration. Uh, my, my my lovely wife Sandra, uh, my family, we all have. She has been with me through uh, thick and thin and through it all. Yeah. And the Lord in uh, the church, uh, we are a very loving church, very active church, a growing church. We we have our challenges, mm-hmm. uh, but we see God uh, growing us through the challenges. Yeah. We've got uh, just about one minute left, and I'd like for you to just take take a minute to encourage the people that are listening today. If uh, what's the Lord placed on your heart in this current season of ministry that that you'd like to challenge our listeners with? I 
I would like to challenge our listeners to really uh, consider that the largest problem, the greatest problem we have uh, in our country right now is racism. Hmm. That this is just an issue that we have not really dealt with. And I'm, I'm appealing to Christians. I like, uh, we were at uh, Mount Zion at, uh, at, at, at another conference. And one of the speakers said that we're all theologians. And I think that we look at racism more so from a social political aspect rather than a theological aspect. Hmm. And one of the greatest theologians that we overlook was Dr. King. Dr. King was a systematic theologian, mm-hmm. uh, died at uh, age 39. We need to go back and revisit uh, his writings and other writings. And I think that when we come together as, as different cultures, black and white, uh, uh, brown and yellow, as Christians and begin to look at what God has to say on how to solve this problem that should have been solved so long ago. And I do believe that we are the light and we're the salt and God has called the church to be uh, that in a time such as this. Pastor, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.